0: And welcome to Haves Unfiltered, episode 126. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson.
1: Afternoon, everyone. Morning, Um, or whatever it is.
0: Morning, afternoon, evening. Whenever you guys are listening to us or watching us, welcome. We've missed you. Um, Matt is not with us today because he's got to work. Like, Air
1: Force guys say that all the time. I don't believe yeah. them.
0: You, you know what they're doing? They're probably doing the Top Gun thing of playing volleyball, shirtless. And jeans. In jeans, for some reason. Like, yeah. who does that? Let's play, let's play beach volleyball in jeans.
1: Might as well just go and play hockey in jeans and a sweater.
0: Well, yeah, just like in Youngblood. <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> but at least at least wearing jeans outside in the cold makes more sense.
1: It does. It does not in the summer, but you know, it makes your upper half sweat more and you know
0: that's right. <clears throat> and we're all about not sweating uh, uh, except at the gym because you know sweat makes it glisten more so your your gym selfies turn out way better.
1: It's I actually put oil on.
0: Well, that's right. Yep. Shop at Baby yeah. Gap and buy the baby oil yeah. there too.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, my, my son's girlfriend, she works at uh, Bath and Body Works. Oh, so, ah, you
0: get you a know, discount.
1: I, I get a discount.
0: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're recording this Sunday morning, uh, the 14th of March. Uh, for those who are not aware, March, March 14th is known as Pi Day, as in the mathematical number pi but it's also unofficially steak in a BJ day for the unmarried types for us married guys. We're having steak.
1: Maybe I might have steak. I don't, I don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> haven't gotten permission yet. Oh yeah. I'm, I, I checked my freezer. I'm out of steak. I got to go buy some fresh ones. I got to find a way to sneak out and sneak around and buy some
1: steak. Yeah. I, 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 I bought steak yesterday for my meal preps, but, uh, We'll yeah. See what happens. Got to get those going. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. So this week, we, uh, we're going to be covering the Calgary series. We're going to talk a little bit about the Winnipeg series. And finally, we're going to go on to uh, the fan and media reactions to the season so far. Uh, before we do, however, I would like to make a note of congratulations. For Nova Scotia born Nate Darling, who is the first Nova Scotia born player to play in the NBA. So that's basketball, not hockey, but this is a big deal, especially for people in Nova Scotia. Uh, basketball is a big deal here. And uh, everyone in this province is super proud of having someone from here finally make it. So congrats, Nate Darling. Thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. I, I know
1: nothing about basketball. So
0: <laughs> round ball. In oh, who, I, I know of the yeah. game
1: just yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so Arash Madani uh shared uh shared a big long social media post in congratulations uh friend of the show Paul Bromby who uh who was a basketball player for St. Mary's uh he uh, he waxed poetic about the importance that this is this is this is a big deal for Nova Scotians uh, especially in the basketball community so uh Hopefully he is the first of many to finally make it. So from there, uh, I think we should just move into the Calgary series. So Calgary started off this series with a new coach, new old coach, kind of recycling as the Montreal Canadiens tend to do, bringing back Sutter and uh, his inability to wear a COVID mask. Uh, their Their game has gone back to what we saw of the flames back when he was coach uh, back in 2004 when they made the final where they were extremely hard on the four check they uh they worked they outworked pretty much every other team every night um and they play a heavy heavy game they use their physicality they're built for it they have decent speed overall uh and this is the flames team i kind of expected at the start of the season now why don't you give us a little bit of your point of view on what you saw in this two-game set?
1: Uh, I just seen a Flames team to smother the Canadians. They uh, killed their transition game in the neutral zone. Uh, they beat them to the board, beat them to the puck almost every time. Uh, won the board battles, uh, won the the slot, um, and uh, they just won- It was the small things of a game that they won, which ends up being more of a bigger thing than the big things they out hit montreal they out skated montreal they battled montreal everything um the first game i will give montreal a little bit of a break because it was their second game in 20 hours or 21 hours or something like that yeah yeah that's a ridiculous schedule they they never got into calgary till five in the morning calgary time which is six in the morning or no anyway, it's a, it's an hour difference in the time difference from Vancouver. So, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll give them that. I will give them that. But also if you look at that first game, Calgary didn't play that great of a game. Really? No, they, they, they didn't Montreal was dead on their feet. Calgary knew it. And they just kind of, uh, Allen. I mean, Montreal, Allen played well, they lost two to one. Uh, it was a better outcome than I thought it would be. Um, As a matter of fact, the second game is what I expected to see out of the first game. Uh, It just seemed like the second game, Montreal still was in bed or something, or they thought it was a late start, so they didn't. uh, Yeah. uh, But that first period was horrendous. Um, I. I think it was uh, 16 shots to three in the final two minutes. Montreal got three or four shots in the final two minutes to make it 16 to four or 16 to six or seven. And then,
0: yeah, they had a flurry in the last two minutes, but before that, it was just smothering yeah. Calgary just smothered them.
1: Yeah. Uh, props to Calgary for playing their game and, uh, yeah. and, and, then but Montreal is, is a better team than that. And they should have found a way to, uh, to, to, get past it, especially in the second game like i say i'll give him a break the first game others won't we'll get into that later but uh i'll give him a break in the first game uh but that second game after the first period now mind you the shots were a little bit closer montreal but montreal didn't really give any marks that hard of a, a time there was no real i didn't to me there was no real uh, uh high scoring chance i'll say for montreal petrie buried one uh thanks to drew in another thing we'll get into later, but uh, yeah, Montreal should have found a way to get around that. And they didn't, they lost both games. They finished the week one, two, and one. Um, And now they are only two points ahead of Calgary in the standings for the uh, final playoff spot. So
0: yeah, instead of a possible 10 before this series started, had they won both games, they'd be 10 ahead and that'd be a big gap. But, and that, that just proves that every game being a divisional game, how important each game really is. And what I saw out of this series was a Calgary Flames team that played just like I mentioned, a pre lockout style of hockey. And what, what kind of irked me a little bit was how much they got away with in doing so. There was a ton of clutching, a ton of grabbing, a ton of questionable hits. I mean, uh, Matt retweeted, um, here's your replay uh, gif of uh, Suzuki getting hit from behind. No call. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of stick work. <clears throat> and I'm all for letting them play. But if you want to not call those things, don't be calling them on the other team. Whereas Montreal got a few of those calls go their way, you know, against them. Um, and while one of them did turn into a goal, the... Uh, the Monaghan power play goal, I'm not saying that that caused the loss. What All I'm point, uh, pointing out is the inconsistencies are aggravating. What caused the loss was what you said. The Canadians were flat-footed. They did not come with their best game. Uh, but again, like you mentioned, I as well give kudos to Calgary for putting their game plan together, sticking to their game plan, and executing it. Because they they really did take the
1: game to the Canadians. Well, definitely, and uh, Ducharme De didn't really have an answer, or he, uh, and I'm not slight on Ducharme. Uh, I'm just no. saying uh, he he Montreal had a better second and third period. Price was stellar. Price had a great three goals against, but he had a great game. He kept them in this game.
0: And none and of those goals are really, none of them were bad goals.
1: No, no. Uh, well, Armia pretty much just gave up on a play behind the yeah. net and lost the puck. Uh, the second goal is a power play. Oh, Monaghan right in the slot. Just, just put yeah. it over. And I'll, I'll be honest. I never saw the third goal, but. Uh, Neither did um, Price. <laughs> uh, but I mean. Uh, I would dare say. And and this is not a slight of Ducharme because I think Ducharme's doing good. I, I'm not I'm not going to bash Ducharme. Uh, I think they're three three and three under him if I'm not yeah, mistaken. So far, so far, so far. They just lost their last two to a rejuvenated Calgary team. Uh, I'll start the excuse wheel, I guess. Montreal did just play like five games and seven nights or whatever the hell it was. Calgary almost had a week off coming into the series. Yada 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 fine for the first game second game i'm not i'm not excusable in the second it's inexcusable in the second yeah Um, but it showed and fortunately for montreal and 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 i'll I'll throw some positive into this is there's still two games up on calgary Uh, I'd have to look at what Calgary's games are, but I think they're game in hand on Calgary. I'm not sure. Yeah, they got
0: one or two games in hand. So if the Canadians can find a way to pick up some points there, that would help them. It would also help them catch up to Edmonton as well.
1: Well, and they're three games behind. They got three games in hand on Edmonton and only five points behind them. So uh, having said that, there's there's no reason to panic just yet over uh, uh, two bad games. Are you
0: kidding? Nah. This is this is Montreal. You lose a period, the panic sets in.
1: It's true. That that's very true, and I think we're going to get into that later. But
0: yes, uh, that's definitely going to be uh, something we're going to talk about. Um, now, for this series, uh, as as I said earlier, it's inexcusable for what they did in that second game. That that lack of uh, that lack of extra effort, because you, you needed to really bear down against this, this team, that's their identity is going to be hard work at Calgary's. That is the Canadians uh, find success when they use their speed in the forecheck, when they keep the tight gaps and they create a small tight group for quick, uh, quick passes in support. Now, Jeff Petrie mentioned after the game that there, that wasn't there. They didn't have that little triangle in their own zone for the defender to make a quick out. So he can't. He didn't have his two outlets, a center and a winger, to make a quick five-foot pass. Normally, when they do well, when someone's in on the forecheck on one of the defensemen, he has that that option of one to two players there for a quick five-foot pass. It it breaks down the other team's forecheck and they're able to bring it up the, up the zone <clears throat> in the case against Calgary. Those players weren't even there. Uh, you had the one winger way up high and the center was in the high slot. It created for awkward passing lanes. Cause if the high slot centers open, you're making a pass up the middle and the winger way up high doesn't help because he has the defenseman right there on him. And we saw that time and again through the game where the pass would be brought up to the winger because it's a safer play. And the defender, the Calgary defender, would just step in on him and the puck would go back in and the cycle would continue. Yeah.
1: The wingers weren't uh, moving their feet either. Like they're no, they were almost like still. They were standing there waiting for the puck. So the Calgary defenders like, All right, I'll just wait for the puck to get him, take it from him, and and away we go. Because the Calgary defenders were moving their feet. And that's right. Uh, that again. First game, I can see that. You're tired. You know what I mean? You want a second game? No. you get it. And that's why they were so successful in the 7-1 uh, to one victory over Winnipeg because they had those five small foot passes. They sent it to the boards, sent it to the middle, back. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. had this plan. They had their triangle going well. They controlled the neutral zone. And they weren't pinned in – well, I mean, you're going to be pinned in your zone every once in a while, but they weren't pinned in their zone. Like against Calgary, it almost seemed like – it took forever to get out of their zone every yeah. time Calgary got in their zone, That's they get right. the puck back. And it was just, you know, took forever for them to get out because either they're standing behind the net, looking for someone to get open or to get into a good passing lane, or you have the the defenseman just passing it to each other because they can't pass it to anyone else or they're going to give away the puck. Uh, so yeah, it's uh I
0: think a lot of that has to do with what we mentioned earlier and the fatigue factor. You mentioned this, this schedule where it's so tight of a schedule. They had to play so many games and so many nights. And this is where the depth was supposed to step in. Mm -hmm. We, uh, this, this depth that everyone was talking about before the season um, how, Oh, look at the taxi squad. Look at the all four lines, blah, blah, blah. With this kind of schedule, what they're sh- what they should be trying to do, and Ducharme has not done so yet, is cycle his uh, his taxi squad members in. So he brought Lekinen back in, but Evans had to had to go down, which
1: I, I he, personally he, shouldn't. Byron or someone like that, but whatever. But,
0: uh, yeah, and that that kind of by moving Evans out, you're taking away one of your better faceoff men, and you're losing a center. And the Canadians don't have that many centers in the NHL right now. They only have the four that are doing anything. So where's Frolic in this? Why can't they bring him in as well? Sit one of the, like Tatar, let him sit, or Perry, or, you know, the guys that are showing that their legs are just tired. I mean, you're, even if it's Toffoli or Anderson or, or Drouet or whatever, whoever it is, if they're showing signs of fatigue, bring these guys in. Let the depth take over, and then keep the legs fresh.
1: Not just that, but you have guys. Let's not just the fours. Let's talk about the back end. Let's yeah, talk that's, about... I was kind of teeing <laughs> that one up. Let's talk about Shea Weber. Shea Weber needs a night off. Absolutely.
0: Uh, what? I, uh, I, I, I it it pains me to see all the the angry tweets, and I'm going to call this one out. Connor McKenna. Holy shit, dude. Like We get it. You love P.K. Subban. You hate the trade. You think this is your vindication five years later that, oh, geez, look, I knew it all along. The Canadians can't win with Shea Weber. They'd be better with P.K. Well, I'm sorry, but where's P.K. Subban right now? How is New Jersey doing? It's not one player. But in this Mm -hmm. case, in this case, you're right. Weber is he's looking tired. Let him sit a game. Rest up. Manage his minutes like that. Now, if Sherrod hadn't been injured, and you made a you made a sarcastic tweet last night about Sherrod, with,
1: with some people took seriously. I, don't I, know. <laughs> I know
0: Canadians haven't won without Sherrod in the lineup, but with Sherrod in the lineup, it'd be more likely that he would be able to sit Weber because Sherrod can bring that defensive game that he needs to
1: to hold on for an evening. Well, even if you, all right, say if even if you're reluctant to sit Weber, yeah, throw him down to the second pairing or third. Cut his minutes down by five to six a night. Cut him down to 17, 16, 17 minutes for the night and call it a night. That way you're not sitting him, but he's not playing 24, 25, 26 minutes a night. Yeah. All honesty, Edmondson and Petrie should be their number one pairing anyway, regardless of what's going on. Romanov has shown that he's not ready for the number one role, but I don't know if that's on Romanov or on the fact that Weber is struggling. If you're a young defensive partner and you're with a veteran all-star and he's struggling. You're not, you know, what? you're yeah. The Now, now Romanov looked okay. He made a couple of gaffes.
0: Some of a couple of them were to defer to Weber and a couple were zone exits. That's something he has to work on, but he's a
1: rookie. I get that. And, and yes he played i'm not again i'm not bashing romanov no um, no 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 I, what i'm saying is if you want to move romanov up the lineup you can't go from here to here you got to you <laughs> yeah. get you get you know uh and that's why and, and it works if you just drop them to to the second pairing right shorten their minutes to about 17 18 max with pk power play time take weber right off the power play you don't weber's I don't care if he scores a goal every once in a while. You don't need Weber on your power play. He's not.
0: Romanov can take some of that time too on the PK and on yes. the power
1: play. And uh, and go like that. Um Yeah, the only good defensive pairing in those two games was Ebbenson and Petrie. That was it. They were very the rest, consistent. I agree. They were consistent. Uh Romanov <clears throat> and and then that pairing of Romanov Weber, I thought Weber was the worst defenseman in that pairing. Yeah, and the, back on, on Romanov, when I mentioned, yeah, he's a rookie, I mean it
0: in the way that what, what we can't really expect him to be yeah. the guy to carry a, a pairing like that, in, especially against top opposition.
1: He's, and, not, and that's what he's I was, not ready. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to say. If yeah. Weber's struggling, you can't expect Romanov to be that guy who's going to take over and cover for Weber because he just doesn't know how to yet. He He will be someday, but not today. Right. Um, Kulak, Mete, Mete had a terrible game last night. Uh, (laughs) you don't say you, you uh, crapping on, you know what? I'm not crapping on him. It's just a fact. (laughs) He was terrible. Uh, Kulak wasn't much better. That third pairing was not very good. Uh, the game before Mete didn't have a terrible game. He wasn't, he was a non-factor and just like this five games previous, um, I don't but, think they have
0: Mete set up for success either. Bringing him in and out like that, he's not able to pick oh, up uh a, def- a rhythm
1: not. and definitely not. Yeah. Um but with Sherat going down, this is his moment to step up and say, "Hey, fuck you guys. This is what, you know, this is what you're leaving on the in up in the press box." And it, no, not but no. you're right. Like, give it a few games. Like, give it uh, a few more games. See what how the Winnipeg series goes. I'm not going to shit on him and say he's terrible. Get rid of him. But yeah. at this moment, you can't wait two weeks to see if this defender's going to work out.
0: See, in, in my view right now, Mete is, he is the type of defenseman that looks good against the fast team. So guys, teams like Toronto, he'll do extremely well against. But you go against those big, heavy teams like Calgary, Winnipeg. He just can't handle those big, heavy
1: forwards. Brian Wiles said it perfect. You want Mete. Mete is the type of player that's going to get that puck out of the zone. He's going to look good doing it. The transitions game is going to be great. He's going to, you know, all the analytical guys are going to drool all over him because he's He's, he's control. He's getting through the neutral zone like butter, Get into the offensive zone, and then that's where the play dies. And then the, the, the puck he shoots is as if a butterfly landed on the goalie's shoulder. Correct. He, yeah. And he says, Mete in the offensive zone, the puck goes to a stick and just dies. And that is the issue with Mete. So everyone says, I shit on Mete. I'm not saying the issue with Mete is that he has all this speed, all this puck movement but he can't do anything with it. And you can't be a puck moving defenseman. If you can't do anything in the offensive zone with the skills you have. I think he's playing his way out of Montreal.
0: So he'll finish the season with the Canadians, but I think he's done with Montreal after this year. He's
1: he's an an RFA. So he's either going to trade his rights or let him walk. Yeah. One or the other.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying that Mete is not going to be an NHL defenseman for quite a few years. He will be. There's a lot of teams that need depth defensemen, and he will go from team to team, probably play a good 10, 12 years. But to expect him to be a puck mover, to uh, power uh, quarterback a second wave of a penalty a uh, power play, I, I, can't, I can't see that happening. I mean, people are going to crap on the fact that he was in the NHL at the age of 18 and it ruined him but let's be honest. He was a fourth round pick picked 100th overall. The fact that he is playing in the NHL is a success story. Yep, the definitely. fact that the fact that he looks like he's going to be a, a decent depth defenseman for a long period of time is a bigger success story. We couldn't have expected him to become, you know, uh, a top line guy. I mean, you don't get a Markov in the sixth round every year. Right. So it,
1: it's just his skill set just doesn't translate to what the Canadians truly need. I think the issue was when he Mette came into the league. Uh, they had no other options. It was either him or Schlemko or Jamie Ben. I like Schlemko uh, just
0: because his name sounds funny.
1: Right? So, I mean, and, you know, that's on Bergevin. He had no one yep. to replace Markov. He had no one to replace the the left side. I and mean, he had straight, who he thought would, and he lasted like five games. Uh, And then Mette comes in. They throw him on with Weber. And Weber <clears throat> kind of then made Mete look better than what he really was because he covered for him, especially in the defensive zone.
0: Weber was playing well. And, and Mete provides the well. style of hockey that – Fits with yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why we've been pushing the Romanov pairing, which would look amazing if Weber were playing up to his standards. speed. Yeah. So we and it takes us full circle right back to where we started on yeah. Weber. Um, you know, I know that there's there's issues with the schedule, but all teams have that. So we can't really give them too uh, we can't give them a pass on that last game. I agree that the game when you're playing two games within a 24 hour period, you get a pass on that one because that's, that's crap. That's garbage. Especially with a travel day, you travel a thousand kilometers after one game and play another one the next, the same day. No, 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 no. You get a pass there, but the next game with a day off, you do not get a pass, especially when you need that win. Um, I know that there's talk of the team's too old and we mentioned we, we've kind of tiptoed around that a little bit. But is it really? I mean, Weber is older. He's 36. He just needs his minutes managed. He is still a top, a, a top option for shutdown. He can still work on the power play, he can still provide you 20 plus minutes. Uh, but you need to manage him a little bit better. Uh, Perry is a bit old. Uh, Petrie is older but he looks amazing. It's as if he's, he's Benjamin buttoning his career in the NHL. It's unbelievable. He's only,
1: well, he's 33. Yeah. But this is a
0: time when he's supposed to be sliding down, but he's moving up in his, his progression. It's, it's incredible.
1: Uh, They have seven players of the age of 30 or older, both, both goaltenders. So the goaltenders are 30 and 33, Uh, but Weber and Perry are 35. Weber's soon to be 36. Uh, then Byron and Tatar round out the bottom, at 31 and 30. Yeah. Um, you need to have veteran presence. You need to have guys yes. that are in there. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head. That doesn't mean those guys need to be your top players. Um, Weber, and we're going to go back to Weber. Weber's going to be the talk of the town, I think, for a while. I don't think Weber... Yeah is you have to sit there and say, all right, he's done. I don't think he's done. I just think he's playing too much. You got to manage his minutes and you got to, you got to either give him a night off or two. Like a Bergevin said one time in a presser, uh, I think it was to Marinero or the Marinero interview. He said to him, all right, you go tell Weber he's not playing tonight and see what happens. You know what I mean? But I'm sorry. As a coach, the GM shouldn't have anything to do with this. This is a coach thing as a coach. You should see how your players are doing and you should walk up to Weber and say, Hey, we got to talk. Either you're getting a night off or I'm cutting your minutes down by five to 10 minutes game.
0: Yeah. And in a normal season, in a normal season, this may not be that big of an issue, but right now with the way the season is with the compressed schedule, this is an issue. This is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. So there has to be a way to manage his minutes, whether it be give him a night off once in a while, and have someone else play. Or like you said, take take his minutes down for a few games where you give a larger role to other players, give more ice time to Petrie, give more ice time to Romanov, to whoever. These are things that, or do both. Take a few take minutes away for three, four games, give them a night off, do it again for a couple more games. and But again, it comes down
1: to the pressure to win. Well, yeah, the Sherrod injury puts a big kind yeah. of hole in that because now you're not that the sherrod Weber pairing was being successful this year, but was it not successful because of their play, or was it not successful because because it was at the first of the season, and as the season wore on, I, I I think it all comes down to Weber's play. I think no matter who he's paired with, if he's not on the top of his game, that pairing's not going to do well. And uh, he's just not on his game. He's not, I don't think he's injured. I think he's just tired. I think he's just wore out. Yeah. And uh, now you look at the other old veterans, if we want to get into it, uh, like Perry. Well, Perry's a fourth line guy who plays in the power play. I'm not worried about his minutes. I'm not worried about his play. As a matter of fact, he's been one of the better forwards since Ducharme took over. Um, Because he knows his role. He's playing within his
0: role. And exactly, he's doing so as a pro. He's no complaints, yeah. he knows what he's supposed to do, and he's doing it. But um, give him a night off, too. I mean, you can bring for a leak in,
1: you can bring for a leak in, you can bring in Lekkinen, uh, Leckanen, Evans, and yeah. Byron can be a line. Yeah. Um, but Byron's another guy who's 31. Now, Byron hasn't been the same since he got knocked out, but uh,
0: um, there's a guy who can sit and you leave Perry, uh, Perry in.
1: There's a guy who should be on the taxi squad and you should be saving your cap money, but anyway, uh. I digress. Yeah, uh, they want his speed in the lineup. They I mean, and don't get me wrong, he had a few good uh, chances against Calgary. Especially uh, on the penalty
0: kill there where he uh, on the penalty he, kill, yeah. He read that play and intercepted that little drop pass <clears throat> crap that they do.
1: But so, it didn't pay off. No. But I mean, I I I, I didn't mind them setting Lekanin. I understood it, but to me, I don't like sitting a guy of Lekanin's talent. 25 year old when you have a 31 year old who's not playing any better who provides the same style of game who can do the same thing Lekanen can uh, I would say bring the sit the veteran don't sit the well not that Lekanen is a rookie but sit play the young guy don't sit the veteran uh, that's yeah. just my philosophy
0: see I agree with you there I think Lekanen he doesn't bring the exact same type of game. he brings a little bit more in my opinion yeah. uh, because he's he's more capable of winning those board battles. He's more capable of creating those offensive opportunities. His his uh, advanced stats are impressive. He creates a ton of high danger chances because he's able to do puck retrieval. That's his bread and butter. Yeah. He gets crapped on for not being able to finish ironically as a Finn. Um but is that really that bad to have a bottom 6 player who can give you
1: 10 12 goals and generate that? I mean I don't- it's not bad, but he 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 doesn't finish. But he's also not prov- he's not providing much offense either. Um, this well, he's going to be a guy that gives you thirty season. points at most. At this, most, he's a thirty yeah. point guy. Um, I I just look at Lekkinen as I I'll be honest. I'm disappointed in Lekkinen this season. I thought we'd get more out of him. Uh, not so much offensively, but I don't yeah. think his 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 penalty killers defense has been where it was last year. Um, Byron, I would say Byron's disappointing, but he's not because he's actually just playing just as well as he did after he came back last year, which is not very good at all. Um, I, there's just so many players this year that aren't playing up to their standards. Um, like Weber, Lekin, yeah, yeah. Uh, Byron, Tatar, Dano. Gallagher, even. Um,
0: well, that's the GM's fault to have so many guys not prov- uh, not pr- producing to the level that was expected. Well, yeah, uh, definitely. It's <laughs> definitely
1: the GM. He should have known this. But, um,
0: uh, another issue, I think, um, that we should talk about a little bit is the lack of experience at center. This is something we talked about before the season, and we're seeing the fruits of that coming coming alive in front of us. Suzuki, Kanyemi neither one are producing at the levels that you want as top six and they're both in the top six now. So it's their team.
1: I, I'm going to kind of disagree with cotton enemy since Ducharme took over. He's been their best center. Uh, yeah. his face offs have gone from 41.5 to 48.7. So he's winning draws, he's creating offense. He's quarterbacking his own power play on the second unit. Um, I'm
0: talking more in the last two games. Oh, the last two games. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. last two. Wow nobody's played well in the last two games so suzuki to me is a bit of a dis like i hate to say it cuz he's third on the team in scoring um but or sorry uh fourth on the team scoring um but he's kind of been a disappointment to me this year cuz i i think i expected more uh expected that line of suzuki drew and anderson just to uh, be lights out and suzuki's very inconsistent now before the last winnipeg game or before the Calgary series, he was on a four-point streak, a four-game point streak. Uh, four game point streak. Um, but he seems like that's what he kind of is. Like, at the first of the season, he was on an eight-game point streak where he scored a point in every game. Uh, then he kind of lulled down. And I mean, I guess you could expect that from a sophomore thing. But uh, Montreal's biggest issue is their center. And we talked about this going into the season. You wrote an article about it, and uh, they – and this is on Bergevin because Bergevin played his cards on the fact that Kottanemi and Suzuki were going to play the entire season, like they did in the bubble,
0: which was impossible. You could not honestly expect no. that. No.
1: And uh, now, Kottanemi, after a slow-ish kind of start, he is emerging as the Habs' top center right now. Um, it's taken some time. He's, he's, he's producing, he's creating offense. He's playing a a pretty good two-way game. He's still got to work on his defensive half. He's winning face-offs. But that also goes back to Deneau. Deneau is just probably having his worst season uh, as a Hab. And uh, yes, if he was even, 75% Seventy-five percent of what he was last year, we probably wouldn't have these issues with Suzuki and Katayemi because we wouldn't be forcing them into top six roles. Uh, well, because I like the fact that they're in top six roles. I it's, do too. They have the skill. They
0: they've provided what we were hoping for in spurts, and this is where the lack of experience comes in. Their inconsistency from their lack of experience is what's hurting. And you, I think you hit the actual main reason why it's so pronounced is that denot is the most experienced center and he is not playing to his top levels. No, we're Had, close. Yeah, so if he were playing at that even 75%, like you mentioned, he would insulate them better. Had he been able to play to the level he was the year before, we would see uh we would see a better outcome yes the the two young centermen who between the two of them have 3 nhl seasons completed 3 between the two two to, uh, the top six centers you you can't expect a stanley cup contender out of a team that's relying on a 20 and 21 year old as your top six yes they have the talent yes, the, they show that their potential is to become a 1A, 1B option at center. But this year, this is this is how they build that experience. So there's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. You're going to see little mistakes. You're going to see amazing plays. But Denot was there to kind of solidify that, that center position. And unfortunately, he's been unable to do so. And uh, last night's game, we saw uh, we saw him. It looked like he got injured, and he came back yeah. to complete the game. And he looked very tentative. He was slower. He uh, he didn't have strength. He wasn't finishing checks. So, are we we can't play, put the blame at uh, loss of control at center solely on those two young guys. It does fall on to Denno and a little bit on Bergeron because when you only have four centermen in the lineup with Evans sitting so that Byron can move to center without a veteran center option to bring up from the taxi squad or to have as a a healthy scratch, this is, you're going to see this had they had someone like an Eric Holla who could have stepped in and played a three, a three C role. It wouldn't be as pronounced that, that, that lack of control at center wouldn't be as pronounced. And that, would have helped the
1: overall transition game. Yeah, uh, there's two things Bergman has to do if he wants this team. It depends on what Burg Okay. First you got to see is the management happy for this just to be a playoff team. And if so, then he probably doesn't have to make too many moves going forward. Um if that's what they're if they're saying all right, let's just make the playoffs, Think about what we're going to do next year to see if we're going to move forward. If they think, man, if we make the playoffs, we have a legit chance of winning something here. Then he has two very big moves. He has to make in order to do that. One it's give a, get a left-handed defenseman to play on the play with Weber, a top four puck mover to play with Weber. The second is to solidify his center. By solidifying center, he needs to have at least a top-nine center coming into the – doesn't have to be a number-one center, doesn't have to be a – but he needs a top-nine center who's around a 58 to 60% face-off winner. Eric somewhere, somewhere around there uh, to come in and play because Deneau's not getting the job done. Uh, DeSharm's trying to use Desch- Deneau in overtime just to win a draw and get off the ice, and Dano's not even doing that. Um, and the young guys. Yes, they have the skill. Yes, they have the talent, but they're not elite. They're not the type of not guys yet, like no. a Mc, Dave. Not yet. A guy, a guy who just come right into the NHL from the minors and tear it up. They're, they're just not there yet. They need their time to to get their game going, to learn the small points of the game and move forward. Once that happens, in two to three years, we're going to have great center depth with with Suzuki and 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 economy. We're g- it's going to be it's going to be good. However, if Montreal does make the playoffs, you're not going to have a GM. You're not going to have the same GM here, and who knows what the next GM is going to do? Um, so, Bergman has to, if he feels this team is going to go somewhere in the playoffs, he has to fill those two holes at least one of them, at least one of them uh, in order for this team to go anywhere once they make the playoffs.
0: I agree. I agree. Absolutely needed.
1: Yeah. So, and having, and having said that, Eric cool Kula is a good pick. I know you've been high on Eric for some time now. Um, and yeah, right now, no one really comes to mind for me to say, who else should go in there. Eric Stahl probably wouldn't be a good choice to bring in. Uh, he might be cheap, um, but then you're just bringing another old guy into a, uh, a situation. So.
0: Yeah. Um, the, <clears throat> now the, the stall thing, I mean, it's, it's rumored that he, every Canadian contender is on his no trade list because he doesn't want to have to deal with the 14 day quarantine. It's that probably. that's a major issue that they ha- that Canadian teams have to overcome when making a trade.
1: And, and that's the thing too. If Bergeron's going to make a move, you got to do it soon.
0: I would think this in the next week would be ideal in the next two weeks is likely yeah. when he will move.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't remember the exact date of the trade deadline. I'm not sure. That the 12th is, but...
0: of the 12th of April.
1: All right. So three weeks.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you have 13 games remaining for the Canadians after that date. So if you were to make a move this week, by the time the deadline rolls around, you'll have about 16 games left.
1: And if you make it at the deadline and it's with an American team, the guy's going to play like three games before the playoffs.
0: At best. Yeah. So if you are already in that playoff spot and it's solidified, you know, it's going to happen. It's not that big a deal. But when you're the Canadians and you're fighting, you're fighting tooth and nail for that third spot, that
1: will be a big deal. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a defender of Berge, Bergevin. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, Yes, uh, and not. but he needs to, I think I'm a realist. I, I call myself a realist when it comes to Bergevin, he needs to make his moves and he needs to make them now. Yeah. But it's like I said before, all depends on how he sees how management sees this team. If they think, well, we're a playoff team, you know, I put the play p- people in place. I put the coach in place. I put this in place. We should make the playoffs. If we went a round or two, great, bonus. But if we don't, we reached our mandate for the year, right? Now, yeah. next year is when we're going to sit down and go, all right, what do we need to make that step forward? If that's the case, then I don't see him doing anything. I really don't. Nothing major, anyway.
0: I see him making a couple of moves, uh, especially now. Uh, it, this is the time to make them. I think he's going to make them. It's spring break, uh, which. I th- it is it's really the, the key point for him. And speaking of spring break, our partners at Manscaped invite, uh, they they're, they're into spring break as well. Now COVID spring break is right around the corner and you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. For everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, you too, GMs. I have an exclusive 20% off discount. Use code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest or ball shave. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust settings to get a length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Don't ruin any vibes this spring break or upcoming summer with some peaking pubes coming out of your swimsuit. Be sure to use their crop cleanser body wash to keep your hair and skin feel healthy and fresh inside the perfect package. You'll also find the manscaped crop preserver ball deodorant an anti chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the crop reviver ball toner, a spray on testy toner that's designed to give your boys a little slice of heaven for a limited time. Subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value add, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing manscape boxers, my personal favorite. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code UNFILTERED20. Say aloha to your new beautiful balls with Manscaped. So after that little spring break, uh, we can do a quick preview of the Winnipeg Jets series. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be fast and it may hurt. All the kind of ties into spring break. <laughs> no, the, uh, the Jets series... The Canadians are a couple of points back of the Jets. Uh, Let's see, to be exact, five points back. They've both played 27 games. Uh, These are four-point games because every game is a divisional game. So if the Canadians can somehow find a way to play the way they can play and win a game against the Jets as they did the last time, maybe not 7-1, but if they can pull off a a two-game sweep of this series, they are one point back of the Jets for second place. So
1: I don't see any reason why they
0: can't. They they really? could, but they need to adjust their game. We went through this, at, at, you know, really in depth in the, in, in talking about the Calgary series, all those adjustments have to be found because Winnipeg plays a similar type of game as Calgary. The difference is uh, Calgary's defense is much better.
1: Oh, much better. Like, yeah. Um, I think Montreal's played well against Winnipeg all season. um every game's been close it's been a pretty much a one goal game. They've been goalied for, a few times, except for the seven one game um which uh, yeah mm. it's it's an outlier but uh yeah Montreal just needs to get back to their triangle up through the neutral system. their their short passes, user speed, user transition game. This should be the type of style uh, going back to Mete, with the charm code, this should be the type of style that mete should thrive in because uh, it's all about transition and it's all about uh, um, players being in the right spots at the right time, yeah, exactly
0: um, and we we went through this with the short passes and with mete yep. if if all he does, is get that short pass done and gets the puck out of the defensive zone, maybe keep it in the offensive zone a couple of times. Then he has met his requirements.
1: Exactly. And uh, we all know Mete can do that. We all know his transition game's good, so there's no reason why he shouldn't. Um, and it's not just about Mete, it's about the entire team. The, the, we have two lines now that on paper should be able to score almost at will, really. Uh, Anderson, Dano, and, uh, and Suzuki and Kottiemi, Gallagher and Tofoli are two lines that should be giving the other line, uh, whoever the plan fits in the offensive zone. Um, Anderson shouldn't have to, uh, no, no, I'm going to disregard it. Anderson should play his game. I don't think he needs to fight Luchik or, or, or guys like Luchik, but, um, he got to play his game. Druin got to keep playing his game. Suzuki got to pull up his socks. Now he said in an interview uh, yesterday was he, he's not playing the way he was at the first of season. He thinks his confidence is a bit down. He got to get that confidence back up. Um, and if he realizes that, all right, work with that, go with that, use that, get better. Uh I and Gallagher, they're looking pretty good together uh the third line to Tatar and armia i don't know what's going on with armia but he's uh he has not looked very good he's an anchor on that line and uh, um and he could do so much better
0: and i expect him to play a much better game against winnipeg his former team he tends to tends to show up for those games so uh if he doesn't that's when i'm going to start to worry about him yeah.
1: and uh the defense uh if they can shut down, uh, well, their top six in Winnipeg is so good, um, and they, they really got to play a tight defense back in their own end and make sure that the passes that they're putting out are in low danger passes. So even if they do lose it, it's along the boards or somewhere that it's you know not out front because it's out front. Do du- Shif- Shifley and Dubois are just gonna?
0: They're gonna light them up. Price. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. light them up. Uh, and if, uh, if the defense can work at. Uh, Playing that, uh, playing a bit of a, a denial game where they they have their their little triangle and in, in a slot. If they can keep the shots out of that area and keep them a little bit to the outside, I think that Price playing the way he is now and Allen, who has played like, like this all year, should be able to stop pretty much all of the shots. Now, obviously, we're not looking at uh, you know perfect games here being thrown by these two goalies but at the same time if you if you cut down those high danger chances to a minimum those two guys should be able to pull out the wins for you
1: oh definitely uh, uh definitely and uh you know helibuck is a it's another guy that you gotta you gotta look out for he's gonna he's gonna steal a game or two from winnipeg but just like price just like anyone else heli can be beat it's just a matter of beating them and we have the guys that can do it um I'm expecting a one, one, win, one, lose one, uh, series. Uh, I'm hoping for a two and or at least a one, Oh, and one, I'll even take three points out of the, out of the four, if we, if we can get it. Um, but for them, I don't like relying on other teams. Uh, like for instance, they got three games in hand on Edmonton, one on Calgary. I don't like hoping Edmonton loses, uh, like against Winnipeg. I was actually rooting for the least because I wanted Winnipeg to lose, <laughs> you know, because Montreal's 31 points. Winnipeg was 33. If they lose, Montreal's still only two points out of third. Uh, but Winnipeg spanked Toronto and uh, friggin' Leafs. Even with their backup goalie. So uh, they can never do anything right, those Leafs. Well, you know, it's all Anderson's fault. But. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I don't like relying on other teams. Montreal should make their own fate. Um, can't look in the past. Can't change the past. So you can look back at all the games they should have, could have, would have won, and they didn't. Doesn't matter. They didn't win them. They lost them, or they lost. They them are where they
0: are now, and with the yeah. with the road uh, with the road trip, the way it has been, with the record they've pulled off in this road trip, they they absolutely have to have three points coming out of that uh, two game set. Yeah. If they don't, then they've really dug themselves too deep a hole to get back into that second place.
1: The only, the only advantage they have now is that, uh, like I said before, if they pay 500 for the rest of the season, it forces Calgary, Edmonton and Vancouver all play 600 or higher in order to keep pace. Um, so to throw a positive note before we get to our next section segment, (laughs) uh, Edmonton's trending down. So I, I think, and then Montreal, even if they stay on par, Montreal should still keep their playoff spot. It may be the fourth spot, but again, if you paid attention to Habs unfiltered at the start of the season, we said best case scenario, they'll finish third and battle. There'll be a big battle between the third, fourth, and 15. That's exactly what we said. And we've been saying this all along and, Montreal, is but you're exactly... an
0: apologist. You are unrealistic. You, you met a hater. You
1: Montreal is exactly where we said they would be. Exactly where we said they would
0: be. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I expected a little bit better out of them recently, but yeah, they're in generally in the same, in the spot and they're more jockeying for playoff position at this point.
1: than they. I, I, I really don't see them missing out on the playoffs. I don't at, at this point. But at this point,
0: because of that two games set against Calgary, they aren't far off from dropping out of a playoff spot either. That is correct. Which would then become a massive failure for this team. And we would see a big change. And that would make some people very, very happy, which takes us into a segue to our next segment. (sighs) Negativity. It's almost as if some people... Are only happy when they're miserable.
1: It's called Twitter. Yeah. And so, Facebook. Actually, Facebook's worse. Facebook is worse than Twitter because it's all the boomers. And and not oh, just. I remember that, when
0: they won 20 cups in my lifetime.
1: And I've I'm literally so freaking old. A Facebook post about how Sam Pollock would not let this team get the way it is right now. Sam Pollock. Think about this for a minute. Sam Pollock. Well, he he was a great GM. Yeah, back when there was no cap and... You could was buy what?
0: a minor league system.
1: Yeah. What, what was it, like, teams or something? Like, when was Sam Pollock a uh, GM? 70s? Yes. Uh, so, he,
0: he was there from the 16 to the 12-team
1: era. Exactly. So, all right, good on you, Sam Pollock. Now, manage this cap. He'd have no goddamn clue. But anyway... <laughs> I digress. Manage
0: free agency Um, because he was a GM before free agency existed.
1: Correct. Um, But I digress. And again, I'm not giving Bergevin a free pass at all. Uh, Nope. If if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I'm going to say Bergevin keeps his job only because he only has a year left. And that's Uh, the only reason I'm saying he keeps his job. I would say fire him, but that's me. I would say fire him. I just think Molson – is going to keep him to the end of his contract just so he's not paying a coach and a GM to sit at home and do nothing. If you, if you get what I'm trying to say here.
0: I, I can see that it, unless, unless the perfect candidate jumps up.
1: Uh, yeah. Unless Patrick yeah. Wall jumps in there and says, Hey you know, guys, I said perfect. I'm
0: candidate. going to change this around. I'm going to be the new coach and GM and uh, uh-huh. screw everybody. I quit. No, um, no, uh, yeah. So that the whole MB being fired stuff. Um, so in the summertime, well, summertime, the off season, uh, Bergerman went from being a genius GM who really took this team a gigantic leap forward and is in line to become the GM of the year to becoming a piece of garbage who needs to be fired on the spot. And it comes from the same people you would expect every single time
1: and it's 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 getting tiring pick a lane folks well not just that but then you have the usual suspect hockey players that all need to be traded for a bag of pucks because they all suck Jonathan Druin every time the Habs lose Jonathan Druin needs to be traded because it's all his fault
0: the guy who's actually playing well
1: the guy who's one of the top forwards on the team. I'm sorry to tell you, people, but Drouin is doing board battles. He's forechecking. He's backchecking. As good as Dano can backcheck in that. And he's uh, providing offense. He's creating offense and providing offense. Oh, I, wait. He, he only has two goals, so he's terrible. Hockey DB is killing people. I'm sorry, yeah. but it's killing people because they look well, at that and go, two goals? This guy sucks.
0: If he's only getting if he's only getting assists every game, every game, then he sucks. Secondary. Hey, point a game, terrible hockey player.
1: Terrible. Um, I just, and you know, it's just, it's, it's the usual guys. Then you have guys like Connor McKenna going on about Weber and how terrible he is. Uh, We mentioned it earlier and they should never trade a Subban. I'm sorry, but you take Nashville the year they were traded they still would have went to the final whether Weber was there or Subban was there. It wasn't Subban was not the reason the team went to the final. Pekka uh, Rene. Yeah, and and this is not a slight on PK Subban. I, I love PK. I love PK. Yeah. PK was it was a, a great player for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but he wouldn't have changed this team. The team still would. All right, yes, he would if we would have had a top four puck moving left handed defenseman. No, He's right handed. Is he right? I thought he was left. Yeah, no, he's right. All right. That's well, there you go. Wouldn't have changed the team. We just would have had a puck mover instead of a bagger, basically. Anyway, I, I'm not. That's that's go over and done with. Um, the negative. If you want to be negative, be negative for the right reasons and for the right things. All right. Be negative about the fact that Dano's not playing well. Be negative about the fact that Weber's not playing well. Be negative about the fact that Bergeron needs to make moves soon, and if he doesn't. And we don't make the playoffs, then it's on him. It's okay. To, it's okay to want him fired, but make sure you want him fired for the reason he should be fired for, and not just because you don't like him. Yeah. And this is the problem: is that Edmondson? Edmondson's still a guy that everyone says is a shit defenseman, yet he's been probably our second best defenseman behind Petrie all season. He's played the exact way
0: that people were. Like, anyone who's watched him play before. You expected a certain style, you expected a certain level, and he has shown up and provided that level of play, that style of play.
1: He has been the best defensive defenseman on that team. He's doing his job.
0: Now, my point on this... Almost
1: perfectly, he's doing his
0: job. Yeah, my point on it, though, he's providing exactly what he's supposed to provide as the player that he is. However, he wasn't the player they needed. That's on Bergevin. No. They needed a puck mover. They got Edmondson instead. That's on Bergevin. Oh,
1: definitely. That is that is on Bergevin. And yeah. he's been trying to fill that left-handed defense role for, what, three, four years now? Five well, years? Well,
0: they were doing the, the whole retool, in air quotes, yeah. or rebuild. Whatever the hell word you want to put to it. He decided to kind of not spend money or make big trades to get those pieces. And, and that's fine but now we're in the in that position where he has to make these moves. And right. are we going to crap on Bergevin for stuff that he forgot or forgot or did not do for his actual job? Or are we going to crap on him because some players aren't living up to the expectations of their play this season? And I'm not talking about Drouin because the expectation for him was to be some kind of freaking miracle, uh, the next Gila Fleur, which is unrealistic. I mean, the guy signed for five and a half million dollars. He is playing at the level that he is being paid at. So I am happy with what he is providing. Do I like the fact that they traded Sergachev to get him? No, but that's the part that's on Bergevin. It's not get rid of Drouin because I didn't like what we traded away to get him. That is dumb. That is That is a really bad position to take. You can be angry at the trade because he overpaid bergevin but don't be angry at the player the player is doing absolutely everything he's supposed to do
1: everything totally agree uh so and we talked about this before and i've wrote an article about it about how some of bergevin's trades were bad not because of the players that were involved because when he traded sergey he needed a puck moving left-handed defenseman he didn't need he didn't need a right winger that he hoped would be a good center or left, sorry, left winger that he hoped would be a good center. And he traded one for him. And, uh, that was what made, I'm, I, I like Druin. I think Druin's exactly where he should be. He's doing exactly what he should do. And, uh, he's with the players that bring out the better uh, in him. If you think if you're going to blame him because you just don't like him, then that's the stupidest reason to, uh, uh, blame a player.
0: Now, Bergevin wins his trades a lot. It's If you look at it, if you isolate it to just the players that he moves out for the players he moves in, he tends to win his deals. The issue I have with him is that, you and you kind of pointed to it in your last comment, he doesn't build the right team. He, he wins the trade, but he's not bringing in the, the main piece you really, really need. Now, in the last couple of years that's kind of shifted a little bit because he made the 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 weber Subban trade was, quote-unquote, a win because Weber is still more productive and he provides that big leadership piece. So, sure, call that a win, but you traded a right-handed top pair defenseman for the same damn thing. You're just changing styles instead of trading for that top center, which he finally did with the Pacioretty trade. But that's However, take he time. didn't.
1: He didn't get that a top center that could come right in and be that top center right away. That's right. See, I, I said before, and uh, again, I wrote an article about it. Probably the same article. Uh, the PK Weber, I to me, it's a win-win for both teams. I, I don't care about this. Nashville got what they wanted. Montreal got what they wanted. End of conversation. End of. The debate. Um, what he should have done though is use, if he was getting rid of PK, PK, he should have got rid of PK and got a number one center that was already NHL ready.
0: Well, the rumored deal before that was a deal that had something to do with trading up to the third pick and it would have been Pierre Luc Dubois and, you know, it had, or up to the fourth pick with Vancouver. They would have gotten uh, Dubois to the deal and, you know, sure, that would have been a much better way to go. But, um, uh, sure. Yeah. And, and making the Suzuki deal, uh, there, even though he did well on that trade by replacing Pacioretty with a player that's almost as productive and adds in a pick and adds in a future top line center, they were still crapping on because they said that he, he demanded glass, but he, he didn't know anything about Suzuki. I mean, that's bullshit.
1: Well, <laughs> How does a GM not know anything about a prospect on another team? That's just, That's dumb. Uh, I don't even know if the glass rumors are even true. So, even if they are,
0: even if it was true that he wanted glass, I'm sure that the demand was, Hey, you want this guy. I want one of your top young center prospects. Right. And then they said, okay, well, we don't want to, we're going to give you Suzuki. Fine. I'll take that guy. I know that guy. He looks pretty good. Hey, why not? So, and you nailed the You nailed it on the head. The issue here is not the fact that he brought in a high-end skilled player; it's that the skilled player wasn't quite ready.
1: Right. Well, so we at the need time, to, we need patience. At the time, he was in his retool.
0: Yeah, so he wasn't so, looking.
1: He wasn't looking no. for a center that was ready. Um, and of course, and a lot of negativity is out there is because every time someone's available, Montreal's trading for him. home. This oh, Montreal needs left-hand defenseman. Oh, Ekholm's available. Oh, Montreal's going to trade all their trash. For Ekholm.
0: I, I wrote an article on Ekholm being the perfect fit for the Canadians, but I wasn't offering. Trash. They would be that's my that's the difference. He would be the perfect fit, him. he would be. He, he is, he, a,
1: he would be. I and I would love for him to go out and get Ekholm. but I it's going to cost. He will. He,
0: yeah. You never know, you never know. But to get Ekholm, you would have to give up a first, you'd have to give up uh salary, so probably maybe even a Lekkonen, um, and, and then you'd have to give up a high-end prospect
1: according to LeBron it's a first round pick roster player top prospect according yeah, and to a, Pierre LeBron
0: a defensive one
1: I he didn't say that in the tweet I read but maybe I I, I don't yeah I don't, he wrote
0: I, that I just, into a an athletic article so he mentioned defense so the Canadians have a lot of really good young left-handed defensemen. they had
1: they have all of that they so, could give up it, it all depends on who the roster player is that they're looking for the, I yeah. mean, are, are they looking for, say, Toffoli? or you know what I mean? And you know, are they looking for a high-end roster player? I don't think so. I think they're looking uh, yeah. at the first pick in the, in the top prospect. Uh, Lekkinen would be perfect. Lekkinen would be a great guy to go over because he's a
0: younger guy who can fill in uh, fill in a role on yeah. their team for a long period uh, of time.
1: Um, and for a defensive prospect, we have tons of them: um, Norlander, Harris, Struble. Struble ghoulie um i wouldn't give up
0: ghoulie but you know whatever
1: i there's a few i wouldn't give up but yeah. i mean we, we have those guys like norlander i don't think i'd want to give up norlander but
0: if but if you're going to make this asshole, move if you're going to make this move you'd have to give up one of them so these are things that these are where i would uh, i would uh i would be angry with Bergenre at this point you want to te- you want a team to go deep you want a team to look good for the next couple of years you got to make these moves you got to be willing to spend the capital oh. you spent those years building up the capital use it spend
1: it or you we, lose your job we have the prospects we have the picks start going out there and going hey you're you're starting to rebuild i want this player yeah. like you know go to ottawa not that they really have anyone we could take off them right now, but because they're all young players, but or go to a, a Detroit or a team rebuild and say, I need a left-handed defenseman that puck mover. You have one. I want you're in a rebuilding thing. Here's a prospect. Here's a draft pick, you know, here's a player. And then go from there. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. If Bergevin, Bergevin in a tight spot. His, I think he's his, his, his job's on the line. I did say before, just based on the fact Molson's not going to want to pay two coaches and two GMs for the next year. That's why I don't think Bursvin would get fired. Uh, if he, they make the playoffs, he's definitely not getting fired. Um, But if they struggle to make the playoffs and then they get put out pretty easily in the first round, that's on him, man. Like you, you yeah. had the, you have the tools to go out and improve this team and make it better. Start doing, you can't build through the draft for 20 years. I'm sorry, you just can't do it.
0: At some point uh, you got to especially with that this step. draft
1: coming up. Well, this especially draft, with this draft coming up, yeah.
0: where we you don't, don't know even what's, know. No, you, you don't know what's coming. Um, they have 14 picks. Uh, now would be a good time to spend some of that capital because some teams have scouted more than others, uh, especially down in, in the teams that are down lower in the standings, they want the they want those picks. It, this year's picks, next year's picks. That, that's what they're looking for. So Spend it. Use it. You've got a ton of prospects. Uh, I know people are hoping that Tatar gets traded somehow for some kind of magic, uh, magic potion. And it makes room for Caulfield, but don't expect that kind of stuff at this point. I think we're in agreement. Bergevin is on the bubble. His job's on the line, the negativity around the team right now. uh, It's, it's kind of tiring to see every time they win, they're the best. Every time they lose fire, everyone, uh, so I think we can end the show on, on that, uh, that, you know, a call for civility
1: that just, just point just... your negativity to the right things.
0: Yeah. And don't be so, <laughs> and don't be as negative. If, like your life is not coming to an end because a hockey team lost the game. Let, let's be honest. We're taking uh, People take this much too seriously. Uh, I'm guilty of it at times, but deep breath, Bruce Frappa. And then, and then think about it logically for a couple of minutes, then make your post because a lot of people out there are making some really good salient points. They're, they're bringing up good quality points, realistic points of view, a good and generating great discussion out there. Habs Twitter could be fun. It could be great, but at times it gets pretty dark. So, I think we'll end the show here. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening. I want to remind you that we do have a YouTube channel, uh, Habs Unfiltered. Go and subscribe. Hit that little bell so you don't miss a single episode or fun exclusive content video. There's going to be more on the way. Uh, Treg and I discussed some prior to coming on air, and there's going to be some really, really good fun stuff coming up. And also, the more of you who subscribe, the more of you have that have a chance at winning uh, Terry Ryan's latest book fights, films, and folklore. Uh, We're going to pick at random one of the new subscribers to win this book. Uh, And uh, yeah. Did you have any final thoughts? No. Okay. So thank you for listening. And (laughs) thank you for, uh, for those on YouTube who are watching. Thank you for that as well. Tell all your friends. Uh, invite everybody to watch and subscribe and like and listen. And um, hey, if you want to send us an email at HabsUnfiltered at Outlook.com, feel free. Uh, Hit us up on uh, any of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under Habs Unfiltered. Uh, We are proud to be an independent fan-based podcast with two writers for the hockey writers, uh, myself with uh, recruits as well. So find our work at Hockey Writers and Recruits. And for Matt, when he's not at work in the Air Force, he is here. We're trying to get him to write more, but someday, someday. So thank you for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Superfriends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod Six One Seven, the Boston
1: Podcast Network, and I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts.